Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. Anybody ready to get into God's Word? Y'all good with that? Hey man, I like your excitement. Turn to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. I'm going to jump back in to uh, this very exciting, very exciting um, series we're doing called 29. Very exciting series called 29. As you turn to Acts 18, um, it's, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about something that's kind of cool. We, we said early on uh, in this series uh, that this is not a, just a series, this is a movement of God. Literally, it's a movement of God, and, and so it was kind of neat. Our, our outreach minister, they, they uh, actually submitted uh, something to Urban Dictionary, and um, uh, we, uh, on a Wednesday night during one of our studies where we're talking, and somebody actually used the term 29-ing, 29-ing, and it was making a reference to someone who was walking out the book of Acts and living that out. And they said, man, they are 29. And uh, so we kind of had fun with it, but actually got submitted to Urban Dictionary and got approved. Check this out. Look on the screen, if you will. Uh, 29, 29 is living the way the church in the book of Acts and the Bible lived. Come on. Loving people, caring for needs, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, spending time together, changing the world. So uh, literally, it's... Uh, it's I don't, you know, I don't know how big of an accomplishment getting on Upper Dictionary is, but hey, we, we think it's cool. So uh, part, of the, part of the movement. So uh, again, kind of neat, man. And you can actually go in there and thumbs that up uh, So if you, if you go to Urban Dictionary. So um, hey, let's, uh, let's, let's pray, and then we're going to dig into Acts 18, and um, just again, just see what God wants to do this morning. Amen? Uh, God, we just thank you. We just thank you so much, Lord, for what you're doing and, uh, in our church, and in our lives, Father. Lord, even though things that are happening around us in our nation, Lord, that uh, unsettle our hearts, God, that, are, that make us uneasy. Uh, there are things that are taking place in this world. And you said this, that in this world, Lord, there will be tribulation and trials, God, but you've overcome it. And Lord, as a result, we're overcomers. And so, Father, we're thankful today that, God, we can keep our eyes on you. We can look to you. You are the author. You are the finisher, Father, of our faith. And Lord, today we celebrate Lord, what happens in the end? Because we win. And Lord, we just thank you for that today, God. We thank you for your word. And Lord, all that has happened during this, this life-changing series called 29, we're thankful, Lord, today that you're not through yet. <laughs> God, you're not through yet today, Lord. There are specific things you want to speak to this church in this season. And Lord, so I pray, God, our hearts, our ears, our minds will be open today, God, to all that you want to do. Change us. As we change the world, Lord, in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Just, just fist bump your neighbor say, I am 29. <coughs> I am 29. Wow. And again, it's a movement. It's not just a series. It's a movement. And so uh, we're thankful God again connected you to be a part of this movement. And uh, you know what movements do? They move, and so uh, they don't stay where they're at, so we continue to move forward. So we're moving forward in this series, and so today we're going to find ourselves in Acts 18. And so again, thank you, Pastor Chris, for sharing Acts 17 last week. Heard incredible things about how that message went that, that, that day was. So again, just uh, if you haven't had a chance, I think it may be online. I don't, hopefully it will be soon. If, if not, go check it out. It's going to be cool. Uh, so again, all these messages will be, if not already. But today we're going to co- continue on in Acts chapter 18. Uh, we're going to take the first three verses. I want to read right now. And um, if, uh, again, if this is your first time, this is called 29 because it is 
a study of the book of Acts. There are only 28 chapters. We are 29. And so uh, we believe that God has set up the church and what it's supposed to look like. And if you study scripture, you know that they did this. It said they changed the world. They turned the world upside down. And, and over time, kind of what has happened and uh, it's, it's taken place, that world has kind of shifted back. But I still believe there's a church that can rise up and change the world. Yeah. I still believe yeah. it and uh, still hope. And uh, again, regardless of what happens around us, the church can move forward and lives be changed. And that's what we're hoping is, our, our belief is. So today we're going to pick up in verse 1 of cha- uh, chapter 18. When you got it, say amen. amen. That's enough for us to proceed. Verse 1 says this, After these things, Paul departed from Athens... And went to Corinth, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Thank you very much. (coughs) Some people had no idea what I just did right there. Sorry, y'all younger generation. Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. So because he was of the same trade... He stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. All right? Verse 3 says, again, speaking of Paul, he came, he met Priscilla and Aquila, and it says, verse 3, it said, because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and he worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. Um, I've got three points today, and I encourage you to take notes. Uh, and I really believe this is for us today. And the first one is this, that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Amen. Oh, man, think about this. He uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Uh, as we are challenging each other, one another, as we encourage each other along on this journey, we're encouraging one another to, to walk out 29, to live this and be this, and to be this, this church of acts in this modern world that we're living in who desperately, desperately, desperately needs that. But as we do that, it's easy to do a couple of things. It's easy sometimes to kind of still want to separate yourselves as kind of them in the Bible who did these great things, and us. I mean, seriously, who just, let's just be honest for just a minute. Who st- so time, time, times gets that in your mind a little bit, say, man, I, man, these guys are amazing, and they're awesome, they do all these great things, and man, can we do that? I, I, yes, we can, because he takes ordinary people. And we're going to see three things today in this message that I believe are specifically speaking to us, that in this right here, you're seeing that these guys could do these great things. They did miracles, signs, and wonders that amazed and growth. They just changed the world. They did these great writings and all these things that we read today. And you know what? We can too. We can too. We see this in Scripture today. It says that they were tent makers. I love that the Bible goes ahead and inserts certain things that we need because sometimes it's easy to get in the mindset, but, you know, the pastor is called and he's going to do great things. But no, we do great things. We do great things. These guys were tent makers. They, their product was showing up on the, on the uh, shelves at Cabela's. 
I mean, you know, I don't know if it was Easy Ups or if it was Coleman's, you know, it's four mans or pup. I don't know. I don't know. But these guys were making tents by trade. This was the ordinary people who had jobs and has businesses. And again, these are the ones who went out and they changed the world. And it's amazing. I think we do this. And enemy loves to get you to do this. He loves for you to read the scripture and get inspired and maybe even encouraged by it a little bit. But don't in, in some way get in your mind to make you believe that you can't do that. It's not true. Matter of fact, the answer that was for the world then is the answer for the world today, and it's Jesus, but the tool that he uses is the church. That's who he uses. He uses us, ordinary people, and we see this. We see these great things, and again, he puts stuff in Scripture just for us. James 5, 17, 18, some of my favorite verses of Scripture, it says this, that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. I mean, think about Elijah, man. Elijah was the one who got out in front of all the prophets of Baal, and he was in in no way fearful. He was bold. He stood up in his faith, man. He challenged all the prophets of an entire nation, 450. He challenged those guys to call on their God, and yet he turned around and called on the one true God because he knew who the answer was. And so we see this, and it says in Scripture, this guy had a nature just like ours, but he did this. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three, and a, three years and six months. And it said, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. But it's easy to say, man, well, that's Elijah. Yeah, that was Elijah, the dude with a nature just like ours. God desires he desires, it's his heart. It is it's his, his deepest desire to do extraordinary things to ordinary people. I mean, so this is how this works. We walk into our workplace, change the atmosphere. Wow. Some of y'all are like, man, my, my atmosphere, knees changing. You know what he put there? You. Hmm, that's heavy. You know what he put there? We're praying, God, send revival to the schools. You know what he put there? You students. You're the answer. You're it. And you know who he put in this nation who, who was still, I believe, again, an answer to a messed up and a fallen world? The church. He established it. He showed the structure. He showed what these guys did. These guys stood up against everything around them, and they did incredible things for God. And so he's called us, ordinary folks, to get up and do extraordinary things. But here's the good thing. I'm going to just help you get free for just a minute. It's going to set us free right here. Your part is never supernatural. Your part is never supernatural. You look in Scripture and you see all these great things, and here's how this works. God does his part, and we do our part. But listen, our part is never supernatural. Now, I know this is going to mess with somebody's theology who's, who's maybe believes certain things. Well, how about this? We'll, we'll talk about it. But you'll see this. Our part and his part are two different things, and never get those confused. And never even believe this. Don't put the pressure on yourself to believe that you can do what only God can do. Don't do that. Don't put yourselves in that position, in that place. But you see incredible and miraculous things happen in Scripture by ordinary people who did ordinary things, but it had to have God's hand on it to work. Think about Moses standing up and lifting up a rod. Just think about this dude. I mean, we talk about this guy, and we get, he gets preached, and, and I love it. And again, some people preach him up there with the rod up high. Some maybe preach him with the rod low and in fear, whatever it is. But listen, either way, this guy's sitting there holding a rod. Now listen, what if God didn't show up that day? 
Now, his faith had been built for a while. He had seen that rod turn into a serpent, turn back. He, he had hit rocks with him, water come. He did a lot of great things with it, so his faith had been kind of built. And he got to this place, and he gets up there one day, and he holds, God says, hold the rod up, watch what I'll do. I'll, I'll part the sea, and you'll walk right through on dry land. And so he gets up, and he parts, he opens up, he raises up the rod. What if God didn't show up? Here's the thing, he always will. And his part's supernatural, not ours. Nothing supernatural in the rod. You know what that was? That's called obedience. He was obedient. He did what God said to do. He did his part, and God always will do his. Think about David getting up and slinging this rock, a little stone, against this big giant. This, I mean, literally, this guy named Goliath, this big nine-foot, nine-inch giant who had all this armor on. He had everything in place. He had swords and spears and shields, and he had all of these things. And you had a little shepherd boy who had a little slingshot and a stone. What if he got up and he... <laughs> bink! And the dude looked at him and said, you, you, you are kidding me right now. You're going to come... No, you know what David did? David came at him in the name of the Lord. And God did the supernatural part. He, did, he, he guided it. And here's the thing. Again, he was faithful over the faith, and he knew he trusted the sling. He was faithful over, and he slew, he slew bears and giant, uh, you know, lions. He did all these things. And so he got in front of this giant, and he slung the stone. But again, it had to be something supernatural happen for this thing to hit in the right spot, to take him out, to lay this big guy down. You know what it was? It was God's hand upon it. You know what he's going to call us to do? To go out and be obedient, just do things that sometimes may look weird, may not make sense, that people around us may not understand. But here's what happens. When we do our part, he'll do his. It'll happen every time. Every time. When we do our part, he'll do his. So again, don't get them confused. Well, you know what he says, Pastor? He says that we got to heal the sick. He told us to cast out the devils. Yes, he did. But it's still him. It's always going to be him. So, again, it just takes the pressure off of us to just come to a place where we can just do this. Man, I'm just going to go in here and just be free and just go do exactly what God said to do and trust him. And just trust him. So it takes the pressure off of you. coming to the place to where you just start doing what he says. And here's what he'll do. He'll use you to do extraordinary things. I want you to just look right in your neighbor's eye, man. Make them feel uncomfortable for just a minute. Say, you know something? He wants to use you. He wants to use you. He wants to use you. Oh, man, we got to get this in us. If, if we don't, if we don't, you know what the movement will, will do? If we don't do this, you know what the movement will do? Zay, say, quit, say it'll quit moving. Say it'll quit moving. Thank you very much. There you go. That's right. It will quit moving. So we have to continually do the great things that he's called us to do. Again, he'll do his part. So again, we do our part. He does his. The second thing is we're going to pick up, and it's in verse 9, chapter 18. We're just going to pick up, and we see something huge happen. God has called them to do these things, and then Jesus speaks in here. This is really neat. You don't see much red letter edition going on here, but you see a specific word spoken to Paul. It says in verse 9, it says, now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. For I'm with you 
and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Verse 9 again, it says, do not be afraid, but speak and do not be silent. You know what he's called us to do? He's called us to speak and not be silent. And here's what happens. Number two thing is this. Don't let fear hinder your calling. Don't let fear hinder your calling. He comes in and we see red letter and Jesus speak. And I love it. He comes in and he speaks these words. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be fearful of these things. Because here's what happens. He's telling them, don't be silent. You know what the enemy's trying to do right now in our nation? Get us silent. Or if we do get bold enough to say something, we say it out of anger. Well, this is good. And, and, and we set up anger and we try something on our own and we, then we kind of look, look dumb or whatever. No, listen, that's what he's trying to do right now is use fear to keep us silent. And there's so many common fears that happen to come against us. If somebody, this is just a few of them I had jotted down. There's fear of loss. Think about family members or finances or, or the loss of control. If, if I make this decision, I'm no longer in control. That was one of my biggest fears for a while. I was one of those, I didn't really get into a lot of the things that some of my buddies got into in life. You know, there were some of these guys that were doing some crazy stuff. I didn't do those things, but you know what I did? I tried to be in control. And it was it's sometimes very easy to do this, to do this. If I surrender over, then I'm no longer in control. Listen, you want him at the controls. I promise you, that's that will happen. So let that fear go. Fear of failure. Well, well I want to, but what if happens I fail? What if you do? If you're doing anything, if you're, if you're doing anything, listen, there'll be times you'll miss it. There's just going to be times you'll miss it. Well, what if I, if I pray and this maybe thing doesn't happen like I'm thinking it's supposed to happen? Listen, what if I fail? Listen, your part was obedience. His part was supernatural. So you let him do what he's supposed to do. You do what only you can do, and you trust God for the rest. Well, what about this? What about this fear of rejection? This is huge. Uh, will, will people like this or... Well, people like that if, if I stand up and if I, I do this. Listen, this is, the, this is what's happening in our nation. This is what's going on. The church will be rejected. I know that's encouraging. Thank you, my brother. From one, one, one buddy pack, pack it, backing me up. Thank you. I mean, the, the church is going to be rejected. It, I, I spent some time in, in, during this series in, in week five talking about the persecution of the church. Because we looked at that and we saw that in this series. And we've seen how this is happening. And it's amazing. Something we spoke early in March, I believe we're getting ready to see. Uh, I was watching an interview with Billy, uh, not Billy Graham, but Franklin Graham over what's happening in our nation. And he made a statement. He said, the church will be persecuted. You will be persecuted. If you stand up for what is truth, if you stand up for what is right, listen, you will be persecuted for it. So, but again, don't let fear of rejection or fear of persecution, anything stop you. What about this, this fear of the unknown? Listen, this is what's awesome about God. He knows. He knows. So you don't have to know everything. You can just trust him and step out. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Come on, this is what he's given us, a sound mind, a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So if there's fear in you, there's fear operating in you, if there's something going on in your life and it's fearful, listen, it's not God. It's not God. It's not him. So here's, this is what we do. We come to a place where we just trust him. Fear is this. Fear is faith in the wrong thing. Fear is faith in the wrong thing. You've got faith, but you place it in the wrong area. Fear is this, placing your faith in the what ifs. That Moses who got up and I talked about earlier, who held that rod, who did these great things. You know, he said, first of all, when God spoke to him and told him to go deliver his people, he did this. He said, 
what if they don't believe? What, 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 if, what if they don't believe? And he said, what if they don't listen to me? And, and what if they say that the Lord didn't appear to me? That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you in this what-if mode and, and to where you live in this life. Well, 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 what if? Here's what I started answering that with. What if he does? What if he does? What if he does exactly in his word what he said he would do? What if he just uses the people like this in a little place called Malden and he brings us up and he uses us to change the world? Yeah, what if he does that? Hey, y'all too quiet for that right there. That was good. What if he does? You know what? I believe he will. When we do this, we put our faith and our hope and trust and only in him and him alone. And this is what we have to have to do this. Your, your what ifs reveal a couple of things. First of all, it does this. It reveals what you value the most. It reveals where you trust God the least. It reveals what you value the most and where you trust God the least. So fill in this blank. I'm not trusting God with, just quietly to yourself, I'm not trusting God with finances, my future, my family, my health, whatever it is. Listen, release that. Give it to God. And you know how you do that? This is how you overcome the what ifs in your life. You first of all acknowledge that you have one. Remember we said earlier about our nation saying, are we going to humble ourselves, pray, seek his faith? That's we, we acknowledge and recognize that we have some wicked ways and things there. We acknowledge the fear. We acknowledge whatever it is. The second thing is that we do is this. We seek God. We watch him. We seek after him until he takes away the fear, until he comes and he takes it away. Psalms 34, 4 says this, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Oh, man, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. We were at the beach this week, and um, you've probably read about it, and, you know, this big shark, NATO, is, is just is going all over the <laughs> beach right now. And I mean, uh, you know, it's, mess, it's messed up. It's, serious, it's a bad thing that, you know, again, we're seeing this. Most of it I, I'm, from the stories, it look like they're happening up North Carolina way and, and, and some of those things. And, and you look at that. You know what that does? It puts people in, in fear. It just does. And, and this is what happens. And this is what, how this, this can work. And I was just thinking about this this week. And, um, and, and, and she don't mind me saying this, y'all. Some of you guys know her mindset and how she works or whatever. <clears throat> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. My son just said something else. I didn't say that. But my wife, who I love dearly, who was a gift from God to me and who was anointed from the Most High and uh, who was blessed and from whom all blessings flow and, and one of the most great and beautiful and most anointed and wonderful ladies that God ever created and put on this earth. And, and Okay. That was fear. Yes, it was. Fear-based. That was fear-based mindset. <laughs> she, she got on my nerves a little bit on the, on the, on the beach, just a little bit, and, and because she was, she was in fear mode. Now, again, she, y'all mamas call it something else, mama, mama mode, whatever it was, and she's looking out. Again, we're thankful for that, but this is what happens, and this is how the enemy works. It's a great illustration of what happens. The enemy will try to get you so fearful of things that you miss out on what's around you. 
I mean, you just imagine yourself laid out, and this is spiritually speaking for just a moment, underneath the glory and the Spirit of God and the anointing and the presence of everything that's there, all that he has available for you. He's laid out, and he has this big ocean with waves that you can just get in and just kind of joy to ride and have so much fun in or whatever, and he's trying to get you fearful of a shark. Now, again, those are bad news, and we pray for those who, who have been attacked and have done that. But you miss out on so many things so many times. And I heard a f- kind of funny but interesting statistic. You're more likely to get killed by getting hit in the head with a coconut falling out of a tree than killed by a shark. <laughs> so just think for a moment. You, you, you're more likely getting taken out by a coconut falling out of a tree that's, that's the, than you are getting killed by a shark in the ocean. And this is how it works. You have this great, big, vast, wonderful, beautiful vacation and this big, great thing that God has for you, and you get fearful on dun 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 We were down there one day, and there was a rock sticking up out of the water in one of the areas we was at. <laughs> Promise you, man. There's one right there. I'm telling you, that's one right there. That's one right there. And I said, well, if that's, if that's one right there, it has not moved in 45 minutes, man. It's just hanging out, just chilling. And so it's how this thing works. And so the enemy is constantly, 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 constantly trying to get you in a place of fear. Don't let fear do this. Don't let fear come against you. John Wesley said this, a great man of God. He said this. He said, I've never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. Whenever I feel fearful, Emotions overtaken me. I close my eyes and I thank God that he's still on the throne, reigning over everything, and I take comfort in his control over all the affairs of my life. Now here's, this is, this, is, this is good. The fear will try to come in. But do this. When that happens, sit back and just get a picture of this, God seated on the throne. And we were singing just a few moments ago, man, not to be fearful. He will not change. Listen, no matter what's going on around you, no matter what's happening in this world, listen, don't get into the place of fear that will hinder your calling. The third thing is this. We're going to pick up in verse 24 so uh, of 18, and it says this today. It says that now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent, and I like that word, being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though, the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. The third and the final thing this morning is this. Give what you have and God will give you greater. Give what you have, and God will give you greater. I like this guy. I, I, I like him. I, I like this, this mindset of this guy. This guy said he was fervent. He was, he would, what he believed, the level of revelation that he had, and the level that he knew Jesus, and he knew God, that level he was passionate about. 
love that, man. I mean, it's just, it's, just, it's just cool to think about this guy. He only had this certain level, but he was passionate about it. He was fervent about it. He was getting up telling everybody. He had this thing where inside of him to where he was giving everything that he had away. And look at what God does. This guy gets set aside, pulled aside, spoken to, and then given a greater revelation of who God was. This is beautiful. This is so important. We've got to say this may be one of the most important principles in this entire, entire series right now. If we get this, this is huge. He takes it, this level that he has and he shares it passionately. He gives everything that he has and he gives it to God. And you see this transfer over so many areas of your life. I love the story. There's a guy in the Bible who was blind and Jesus heals this guy. I love this. This is one of my favorite stories. I tell people this story a lot. He is sitting there, and in this, this, he gets healed by Jesus. Jesus opens this guy's eyes up. He reaches down, spits, and gets the dirt, puts it on in his eyes. He says, man, go do this thing. And he comes back. The guy is literally, his eyes are open, and he physically can see. This is what happens. People begin to see what happens. They begin to freak out. Some people got ticked off because he did it on, on a Sabbath and got all upset about that. And some people get upset about the craziest things, man. Dude was blind, now I can see, and, and people's freaking out about when he did it. And they're just crazy stuff. Then they start getting on conversations, and they do this. All the religious people, they go to the guy's house. They start questioning the parents and start saying, man, well, this guy was blind. Is he blind because he was a sinner? He was wrong? Is he blind because of you? And I, and I like their, their story. They kind of say this. They do, he's, he's old enough. Go ask him. Go on, go. And so they go back and they find the guy. And I love the story. This is what the blind guy does. And this is what we can do. This is, this is beautiful. They start asking him all these questions that he don't know the answer to. This is what's going to happen as you get in conversations with people about what's going on in our world right now. You may get asked questions that you don't know the answer to. But give them what you have. Tell them what you do know. And this blind guy, and I, I love this, they said, man, tell us, you, you, you know, was it you who were, you? he says, I know this, I was blind, now I can see. Love that story, man. I was blind, now I see. Think for a moment. Just think, when somebody gets in there, and you're going to find them, and they're going to try to pull up some theological discussion or some debate about the law and, and the old covenant and the new covenant, and you're going to start, your hands will start spinning, and you're going to start going, man, I don't, I don't know this story. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this. And so you're going to get fearful, and you're going to pull back, and you're going to say nothing. You know what you can say is this. All I know is this. I was blind. Now I can see. All I know is this. I was going to hell. Jesus saved me. You know, every child of God can say that. Every believer in Jesus who's placed their faith and their hope and trust in the gospel, the good news of Jesus, can say those words. You don't have to know all this stuff. You don't have to have degrees. You don't have to have all this stuff. You don't have to sit in and be a part of a seminary. You don't have to do any of those things. If Jesus has come into your life and radically changed you, and you've trusted in the gospel because of his grace, you were doing this. You were headed to a place called hell. Now you're getting ready to go to a place called heaven one day and spend eternity with him. So they start doing all these things, and they start talking about this debate and that debate and what's going on here, and you can say this, I was blind, now I can see. And you know what happened? People began to follow Jesus. 
They begin to follow Jesus just because one person was willing to do this, come up and just say, yes, I'm willing to do this. And they give. He literally just gave what he had, the level that he had it. And I love Apollos. He did the same thing. He didn't know everything, but what he knew he was passionate about. You know what you can get passionate about? You know what we can do is this, man. Jesus loves me. He loves me. We were on the beach, and there was a family that come walking down through there, and one of the, the uh, uh, young ladies, the daughter, she had a shirt on, and it said, man, God loves you, but I'm his favorite. <laughs> and I stopped her. I had to stop her. It was, I had to start. I said, I need, no, nah, I just want to let you know I'm his favorite. <laughs> and then she was like, no, I am. And I mean, she really, she was kind of getting serious about it. And I said, no, I'm not. I am. And I'm telling you right now. And then one of the guys, he said, I am. No, I, I am the favorite. And this is what you can do. You can tell everybody, man, God loves me. He loves me. He loves me so much that Jesus came and got on the cross for me. Those are the things that we need to get passionate about, the things that we do know. And as you do this, you'll see God take you to the next level. You'll see it. If, if your praise, just the level you know God right now, would just, just be totally surrendered, given to God, you know what he'll do? He'll take your praise to another level. Oh, it's beautiful. Your worship, but just, well, just, just give it to God and just, just lead on him. Man, I've seen that one person over there. They were praying and raising hands. I don't even know how to do that. Well, what do you know? Just give it to him. Our finances, this is one of the areas, again, that is amazing to me that we see over and over and over in Scripture. He just says to give it to him. Just give it. If you'll just be given. You know what he says in Scripture? He says give it cheerfully. Yeah. I've seen it in this church, and we're trying to break it, man. We're trying to, man. We're, 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 we're pressing on, man. I've seen people during praise and worship. Yeah. I mean, just come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah, glory. Oh, come on. All right, God, we're getting ready to give. Offerings over. Come on, somebody. Let's get this. Let's do this. No, 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 no. Don't do that. He says, he says Luke 6, 38, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will men put it in your bosom? For with the same measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. And give it to him. Give it to him freely. Give it to him cheerfully. It may be tough, but you say this, say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give it to you. And this is what he does. This is a principle, and it works. We see it. Give to God, and he'll give you more. There it was. I told you. I'm looking at now. Now, y'all should have said amen right there, Pastor. I was good preaching. I mean, that was good. Give it to him, and he'll give you more. And this is one of the areas that we have to just trust God when we give it to him. He gives back. You know another area? You know what we'll do is this. If, if we'll trust God and we'll give it to God, we'll start just doing this in this area. Forgiveness. Start forgiving people. Start forgiving the people who's hurt you. And you'll see this. Forgiveness will be granted back to you. You watch what happens. I'm telling you, you just there's everything that you have what you can do, do it. But trust God, do what you can't do. But what you can do, give it to God. He, he says in, in Scripture, Jesus said this, Matthew 6, verse 14 is our last verse. He says this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. 
there's certain things we have to let go of. I, I've, re- I've read something the other day from, from someone who's just recently recommitted their life to Christ. It was, a, it was a post, and it says, man, I'm forgiving the people who have done certain things. And that got me so fired up. It got me so excited that when I read that post, that this person who's just recently re-surrendered and committed their life, they, seen the, they saw this important need to forgive the people who's done them wrong. You know what happens? Forgiveness just comes to us. And you know what forgiveness will happen when we forgive? It sets us free. It sets us free. I mean, it, it puts us in a place of freedom. One of Masakato says one of the most beautiful quotes about forgiveness. He says, forgiveness is unlocking the door to set someone free in realizing you were the prisoner. Man, it's, I mean, it's so true. It's unlocking the door to set someone free, realizing you were the prisoner. It puts you in bondage when you, don't, when you keep holding on to things. So what you can give, give it to him. Give him. You know, there's certain levels of things in the spirit that God's going to do in your life. Prayer. I'm telling you, this is another thing. If you'll just start praying and talking to God, sometimes we look at other people who maybe been in this thing for a long time. They've been following Jesus for years, man. And, and, we, and this is one of those things, and, and you know, you start, enemy starts messing with you, and they say, man, you ain't going to be able to pray like so-and-so, man. They're, they're, listen, what can you do? What can you do? You can just babble for them and say, God, I pray. Thank you. Uh, whatever it is, just pray and talk to them. What can you do? What right now are you holding on to? that you need to release to him. Watch what he'll do. Can you stand with me, please, as the worship team comes around? What today are you holding on to? What today, when I ask the question about what if in your life, what area of your fear maybe of the enemies tried to come in and, and, and put you into a place of fear? Is there an area there? Whatever it is, this is what you can do today. Listen, there's some of you the enemy's done this. He's made you very fearful of eternity. Made you very fearful of eternity. And if you don't have Jesus in your life and you haven't said yes to him and put your faith in the gospel, you should be fearful of eternity. It's not going to be a good thing. But for the believer, you can celebrate. You can celebrate being thankful for what God has done. And I want to do this right now. Just, I want to ask you to bow your heads and, and close your eyes. And I want to do a couple of things as we close our service out this morning. A couple of things. First one is this. If there's anyone here today that you're unsure of where you'll spend eternity, you're unsure of where you'll spend the rest of everything, your existence, once you leave this place, I want to ask you to do this today. Just put your trust in him. This is one of those those beautiful things where we do this. We, We just give what we have. And all that we have, listen, is a messed up life. It's all that I have. It's a messed up life. My sins, my failures, my shame. Pastor, that's all I got right now. Give it to him. He'll give you something greater. He'll give you his love, his grace. He'll place it inside of your life, inside your heart. And he'll give you an eternal home in heaven. So I want to ask this first of all. I always, we make this opportunity for those to respond to the gospel. We see this so many times in our services. People saying yes to him. Listen, if you're here and you're unsure... You don't know today, but you to do this. You want, to, you want to be sure as heaven as if you're already there. I want you just today just to give your life over to him. And you're like, some of you are like, man, I don't even know how to do that. We'll help you. We'll pray with you. We'll lead you. And if there's anyone today who says, that's me. I don't know where I'll spend eternity. Listen, you can know. If you're unsure today, if heaven will be where you spend eternity, today this is the time you can say yes to him. If that's you and you say, I don't know where I spend eternity, but I want to spend it in heaven. I want to give my life to Jesus. I just want to ask you to lift your hand up as high as you can get it.
They're here. I wanted you to just lift high as you'll go so we can see it. I see that. Who else? Raise up as high as you can get it. I see that. Anyone else? Come on. If your hand's not up, that means you're sure. It means you're like, man, I'm going to heaven. I can't wait to get there. Praise God. I see that. Any others? Thank you, Jesus. Right now, I want you to do this. If you're a Christian, you're a believer, I just want you to pray right now for those who are getting ready to just say yes to him. Just begin to pray. Begin to pray that this is the beginning of a beautiful journey with them that God's going to just, just totally, radically just change everything about their life. There may be some others. You didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to pray this prayer. You just want to say yes to Jesus. Man, the Bible says to do this. Just literally be bold about that. Since to confess him before man, he'll confess you before the Father in heaven. So we say yes to him. We, 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 we outwardly do this. We make a commitment, a decision to say yes. That doesn't mean we're perfect. doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. It means we believe there is one perfect, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So we do this today. We say, Father, I come to you right now. God, I ask you in the name of Jesus to save me. Radically change my life today. I believe today that you're preparing a place for me in heaven. And today I put my faith and my hope and my trust in you. I believe today in my heart you got on the cross for my sins. I believe in my heart today that God raised you from the dead. I believe in my heart that you ascended to heaven, defeated the grave, and that you're coming again. And I put my hope in you. In Jesus' name. Oh, man, let's do one with heaven right now. The Bible says this, that in heaven, when someone comes to Christ, there's heaven, there's rejoicing in the presence of heaven. Can we rejoice right now with heaven? Can we rejoice with heaven? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.